Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Expanding, Expanding reality. Reality, reality. So we declare divine order, knowing that everything works out more exquisitely than we planned. And we gratefully, simply let it be. And so it is. I'm in. And so it is. I'm in. Laurel Erica, welcome to the show. It's so, so nice to speak with you again. We actually had a phone conversation. Our dear mutual friend, Jason Pickard, uh, connected us together. And I'm going to be linking his first episode uh, on the show with us. uh, And thanks to him. So thank you, brother. And thank you for the gift. That is you, this young lady right here. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you. And I'm eager to speak with you. Eager to speak with you as well. So wordmagicglobal.com is where they can find you. And of course, your YouTube. I'm going to be linking all the ways to do so down in the show notes. But if you don't mind for my audience not too familiar with you, do you mind just letting us know a little bit more about yourself? Yes. I began playing with words when I was about three years old. And I was particularly interested in words that have the same sound and different meaning. And the first such word was bat. Someone told me that a bat had flown out of the box. He was delivering a sound system to my father in. And he said it landed in the tree outside and I ran out stood before the tree (laughs) expecting to see a baseball bat hanging from it. And that was the moment in my memory that I realized that unrelated things could have the same name, which sounded so odd to me, but led me on a lifelong search. Um, And so I, I found so many of these words that I have double messages within them. And My most popular video is called The Secret Spells of the English Language. I posted it in 2010. It has since had people borrow the title and the content, but it's just the tip of a very large iceberg of fun wordplay with world-changing repercussions. And to quickly go over the secret spells, it is... I share what I call our premier life sentence, which is that we awake each morning and go off during the weekdays to earn our living at various jobs and undertakings until we come to the weekend. And everyone agrees that that's the usual normal way of things. However, more people die of heart failure Monday morning between 6 and 10 a.m. So what I do is a translation of the English language. I spell it T-R-A-N-C-E with the idea that words cast spells that put us in a trance and have us walking in in a hypnotic state through our lives, not fully awake to the fact that we ourselves are the dreamer. So um, translating that life sentence, we awake each morning, awake is a funeral party for the dead, and morning is the state when you attend awake. So when you say to someone, good morning, on another level, you're saying good grief. And we would have to be staggering around in a weekdays like a zombie to earn the living because urns are vases for the ashes of the dead. We call our jobs undertakings. Job itself is a Hebrew word for persecuted. 
Job as we race to meet deadlines and what we get uh, at the end of this perverse bargain with life is weakened progressively. And so 10 years of this kind of self-compromised living, we call it a decade. Some in uh, U- the UK call it a decade, mm. <clears throat> which is what can happen. I, I was looking through some old files of mine and I found a little cartoon from the New Yorker where the guy is saying, I'd like a job where I can um, progressively forget what I really came here to do in the world with benefits. So that's mostly what happens. And a friend of mine once said that until you know what you're here to do, life is kind of like having the flu because we feel consistently discontent and like something's wrong. But when one has a sense of purpose that transcends us and that is a vision of how we can bring beauty and wonder and majesty and nobility into other people's lives because these are natural life conditions that in this um, degraded society are completely overlooked. But when we, as a, <clears throat> an artist, a musician, uh, an entrepreneur, which means undertaker, by the way, but someone with any sort of business that is um, a response to your own heart prompting, then the gifts that you are giving will sustain you through the very hard ride we're experiencing at this time. So deliberacy with speech is something I'm so, and and, and even speaking with you now, I know that I'm going to be sitting here minding my words so much, which I, I promise not to do. I'm very in flow and, and I'm very uh, here with you right now. And thank you for that. You're just, um the way you think is awesome. Uh, you you just have such a clever sensibility about you that it, that it's fun to hear you speak about things. Um, you you remind me of Jordan Maxwell and the way that he would break down speech and the way that he would talk about the sea and the current sea and the banks and the riverbanks and all these things where you would find double meanings in these things where folks are just saying them all the time. I, I want to ask you about a couple in sp- specific ones that I that I have that I'm just curious about your thought about. I, I am massive into the NLP or neurolinguistic programming element of life that, you know, as, as it says in the Bible, uh, you know, the word, the word is what created God created with the word, right? Uh, as well to this, it, it's abracadabra. As I speak, I create. So I'm very familiar with how important the word is. The word sorry. What are your thoughts on that word? You brought that up when we had our little conversation a few weeks ago. And it's something we hear all the time out of our own mouth. I certainly hear it out of my mouth. It's kind of a reflective, uh, reflexive behavior. We we think we've made an error. And so we're quickly apologizing. And it's almost an excuse me for living. I really shouldn't be here. I'm so sorry I'm in your way. And I mm-hmm. am a sorry character. There is such repercussion from the idea that we are born in sin and that something is wrong with us, something is out of place or doing it wrong or can't get it right. I think all of us have been bombarded with those messages, and those are the messages that sell products as well as sell religion and absolution by some someone else you know it's just so that's what i think of it i think it's a good word to be aware of and let go of and so just before we got on this call together i was thinking well what would replace it and i don't really have a good answer for you in this moment but what i realize is that when it comes out of our mouth It really is about a moment of awakening. Oh, did I step in front of you? Did I cut you off? Did I, (laughs) um, whatever it might be, just maybe instead of making that a trigger word of self 
uh, abnegation and condem- condemnation to um, make ourselves feel smaller and out of place and in the way, but just because none of us are, all of us are here by divine appointment, or we wouldn't be here at all, especially at this time. And so just look upon it when that word comes out of your mouth, just as a an opportunity for a pause, for a moment of awakening. What am I sorry about? What am I in what ways am I sorry? And in what ways do I want to show up more fully present and aware? So what about you? I what are your that, thoughts? I love your thoughts on this. It's just cool to hear your perspective. Uh, mine are that it's so damaging to you at a cellular level. And that it's one of these things that we, I have an idea and they're just ideas. I don't have beliefs. I have ideas because ideas are way easier to change, right? So with <laughs> this idea comes along the thought that there's a program here installed for growth, but it's it wears a mask of something very evil or people refer to it as evil, but I feel it's a, a programmed installation for growth. I, I don't see a bad guy here, which is the, just where I'm saying with that. Now, during that process, you're, there are a few things within that system that you do navigate and it is challenging and it's uh, you know horrific from the perspective of the occupant but you know hindsight of course but what i'm saying is is in within that there there seems to be things that anchor you that that have been thrown upon you that will anchor you in if you don't catch them and release them sorry is one of those for me yes. the word trying is another one there was a wonderful meme that i saw and i'm going to find it and send it to you darling it's it's a two panel thing and on the top it said don't be a triceratops be a doceratops. Oh, and it's this, cute. you know, doceratops standing there just just crushing it, right? Because you're not trying. I I see like you what the real word is in a lot of these. Now, I have some blind spots, which I'm, again, grateful to combine our uh, respective thesauruses here uh, to be able to, to culminate that. But back to the word sorry in particular, I feel it's one of those things that anchors you in a position to keep you in this subservient or like you said, uh, this compromised state to where you're constantly... Uh, at the whim of being in someone else's way and being a burden, as you said. And so, but to replace it, I have several to replace it because I don't say the word. I say it to ask you about it. And this is the most, it'll pop out of my mouth in a very long time because I'm so mindful of it. So all apologies. I apologize. You can be creative with the way that you interact with another human being by kitsmit, right? Because really what happened to us, you didn't bump into somebody because you were being annoying or you weren't paying attention. Perhaps that's one way to view it, but maybe you were meant to meet that person. And maybe that just bumping into you is the only human contact that they'll have ever or that day or something, which is whatever to think about. But what I mean to say is, is when you make eye contact with that person, what I see in any other pair of eyes that I see is another me. And I've known this since I've viewed the world this way since the conversations with God book, whenever I'm looking at somebody else, I'm looking at me and anytime it's an opportunity to me, a greater, grander version of myself. In that book as well, Neil Donald Walsh talks about that the only reason you're in the room is to heal the room. You're, the only reason you're in the room is to heal the room. You're in the room to heal the room. That's it. So whenever you see that, in my mind again, I look at something like that not as an opportunity to go, oh, and duck away, which is what society or the program would say that that is the, uh, that is the response or to at least feel awkward about it. What I choose to take myself up on is an opportunity to be more creative with it. Like, let's say, we get in these all the time, these like uh, standoffs to where like you're heading towards someone, they don't know which way to go and you do this little back and forth. And instead of the S words being dropped around like F-bombs in the place, I'm just like, oh, we're dancing, you know, thanks for the dance, right? So it's a more creative way to engage in your fellow yous running around out here that really that was an opportunity to do so. It's how I see it. But again, uh, that's all taken from one little word, you know, and how it affects you. But again, I, I feel it at a deeper level by really embracing that word as your answer whenever you feel that way or you or maybe you do apologize then be apologetic sincerely but you don't need to use that word to do so what it tells me is that the 75 trillion cells in your body or whatever are embodying that word as their i am because you're saying i am whatever and you're embodying that as a motif and so they then rearrange and must conform to that right so i see it as so damaging and there's so many of those but that's what i think about it and thank you for asking Oh, well, it's a good word. And um, I like how you describe how you see people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wrote a book of philosophy through wordplay called We Do Come With Instructions. <laughs> and um, I 
it almost got published by the people who did the chicken soup books, but it didn't. And then I was relieved because it would have put a lot of great puns out into the world that could have been used to advertise anything. Oh. But uh, <clears throat> the power of see, seeing and being are not only linked in the alphabet, but they are in our lives. Um, we We see and the more we can see the divine in the other, the more we embody it in ourselves. So we create a resonance, a, a linked field. So it's beautiful. So sea has power. It's, it's also the ocean, um, uh, the mother of matter, the mater of matter. So in we do come with instructions. It points out that to see is holy, like the holy sea, which is why our eyes are framed by temples. And I see you and you see me. And this kind of intensive care is a very healing medicine. And I really do believe we need to be seen to be fully presenced in the world that so many of us come, I mean, these ideas of all the different genders, well, there's all sorts of different, I don't know even what we'd call them, uh, evolutionary species that I believe incarnate humanly. And I have identified with the elemental kingdom. And a pun I make with that is elemental, that um, it's very much related to the alphabet, which are the elements in a word, and the word then being the vibration that manifests experience. And so, <clears throat> Each of us to be seen when we bring in so much more. I mean, this this is, we call it a three dimensional reality. It's pretty flat. <laughs> um, it it most likely is a matrix. We're living in what looks like um, to me like a well, I, it's always looked like a movie set to me. Yeah. Lots of different movie sets. It's all an artificial kind of environment. I even think nature in that way is created for its um, its endowment and its beauty. And because it's our only place to come into harmony with reality, to really be able to perceive what is natural and how does it grow and how does it work together with everything else in the system so that everything fits together. <clears throat> but when you come in, kind of like Alice in Wonderland, in, you know, sometimes too big for the environment and sometimes you feel too small. If you aren't being seen that many of the gifts, I think, that you bring from other dimensions can't come through this uninviting aperture, doorway or portal into this dimension. So when you have somebody who sees you deeply, who doesn't can't can't fathom you, but invites you to show your fullness, to bring more of it into this world, then I think that that's what takes place. And um, a little tiny poem I wrote about that some time ago is that we birth each other into this dimension because everyone needs to be deeply seen to be fully presenced in the world. For the material plane is all smoke and mirrors, angles and angels, sounds and resonance, fire and flesh. So seeing, having the eyes to see that each of us is the infinite in finite form, in a unique expression, with gifts that no one else can deliver in quite the same way that will reach an audience that's specific to that um, purveyor of the gift, um, how can we do anything but say not hello, but hello, which is to make sacred. Hello. I love that. What about g'day? Is that a good one? Good day. Well, yeah. let's, it, it, 
I, I haven't really looked at it. Sounds nice to me. We had an Australian friend of ours, Ksenia Moore, shout out. She was, we were in uh, Utah recently. We were going hiking. And so everyone we would pass, we would say, you know, hello. And she would say, g'day. And so I started saying g'day because it's adorable. I thought it was fun and it's unique uh-huh. and it's pattern interrupting. And I thought it was nice, you know, so g'day is also acceptable. Well, um, I'm not the arbiter of what is and what isn't. It's, I would like for you to be. <laughs> well, <laughs> too big a responsibility. And that's why I'd like for you to be, because you know it's too big and no one should have it. Good call. Yeah, exactly. And, and for instance, the word hallow, I asked a group of people, what shall we do about the fact that the most prevalent greeting we have is hello, and if you reverse the syllables, it's so hell. And so yeah. a woman who was a midlife, midwife in midlife said, how about hallow? And hallow is like namaste. It is honor. It is recognizing and honoring the sacred in someone else. <clears throat> and earlier, uh, we did a little invocation together. And instead of saying amen, I said, I'm in. And that came from a fellow named Arkin Selleck who is um, a brilliant man in Turkey, a linguist, a voice artist, and many, many other things. And um, he found my work, and, and he became the voice for my poem on the letter S, which is available to people on my Patreon site, which is patreon.com wordmagicglobal. And for $11, you get Esoterica by Laurel Erica, the definitive exegesis on the letter S in verse. And uh, the title is uh, a bit of a joke because an exegesis is an in-depth analysis of a biblical uh, passage. And I've done it on a single letter that is very significant in the Bible, because for many cultures, it was associated with the serpent and Satan. So they were afraid of it. They banned it from some alphabets. So this is a poem, Esoterica by Laurel Erica, that helps you become aware that there is no... Satan is also Santa. And all of it. Everything is both sides. We're in a world of duality and a world of choice. And the word choice, if you look at it closely, you see it C-H-O-I-C-E. <laughs> and then you have choice. And the same with voice. If you don't have your own uh, epiphany, which I describe as a sudden recognition of the obvious, if you don't have something from your unique perspective, what is resonating in your heart and mind as truth in the moment, then really you might not have yet something significant to add to the conversation. So the word voice is also the, oh, I see. So to really have a choice and a voice, there need we need to see. We need to have perception from our unique perspective outstanding that would suck though that uh time word s's were banned of it people would list for just burned at the stake or something as witches right because they can't help it <laughs> well yeah it's so insane that's a whole messed up i mean what the hell right you know but yeah. i love that uh it's epiphany is just a sudden what was it a sudden realization a sudden, of the obvious a sudden recognition of the recognition obvious of the obvious i love it because it's yeah it's right there in your face and you're just like oh and that's why you feel that right you get that oh because it's part i'm so glad to learn this but part why did i just now learn this you know what i mean well that is <laughs> i let me address two things um Somewhere I have a quote from Sherlock Holmes, really from um, Arthur Conan Doyle, the author uh, of Sherlock. Who's, and Sherlock says, the world is filled with obvious things that, mo- that very few people happen yes. to notice. Yes. And so the word obvious is almost identical with the word oblivious. Yes. And so the, all that separates them is L-I. So there's a little lie. And... I, I listened to some programming on a uh, child video game where the voice kept saying, nothing going on over here. Let's look elsewhere. Nothing going on over here. 
let's look elsewhere. In other words, ignore the obvious. Right. And so many instances <laughs> where we're asked not to see what is right in front of our eyes and pretend that it's something completely different and than what we beheld. Demanded to do so, being discredited, losing your job in some cases. Like it's a fascinating place in which we live. And a lot of people call this the land of uh, information and just uh, uh, Crow Triple Seven. He calls it the land of delusion, not the land of information. And it's because it's such a saturation of nonsense, really, or unapplicable knowledge to a to a greater goal. It's it's a lot of distortion in my mind. It's a lot of things, a lot of noise. But in that, there's such a gift. I mean, I find it. I'm a boundless optimist. I'm always going to find the cherries in it. And I you know, can see it as just something not for me, obviously. I'm just like, oh, OK, if it's that convoluted, if it's that busy and messy, you know, I have an easy a uh, wonderful, uh, amazing flow of a life. So if it's that um, interrupted with a bunch of jarring, turbulent water, then it's probably not for me. You know, it's just, yeah. that's its its way of just telling me it's not for me. Yes. Um, someone invented a word, apocaloptimist. Oh, what? Please go ahead. Apocaloptimist. Yes. Uh, and the de definition is, you know, the world is, let's see, let me find it. So I, I don't, well, I've already turned off my phone. Um, I mean, essentially, you know, the world is uh, really, yeah, uh -huh. uh, but you hold an optimistic perspective anyway. Absolutely. It's like when you fall down the stairs, you didn't fall down the stairs. You got down the stairs really fast, you know? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's true. See, that kind of shit right there. That's that's where I'm at with it. So uh, have you made any words up? I'm sure doesn't. <clears throat> Oodles. How many words actually have you made up? I haven't made up a whole lot. Okay. Um, I'm much I've been much more focused on finding words within words. And I describe secret spells, which are words that are contradictions. Like, I don't know if you had a chance to read that one page intro uh, to a longer essay called Proposing Changes to Our Terms of Agreement. And it starts, I mean, it, there's many words, but right there at the beginning is um, atmosphere. Uh, well, or nervous system. How can you have a calm nervous system? They're a contradiction in terms, um, more colorfully described as an oxymoron. And only an oxymoron would buy into that. And then it's so easy to have a nervous system when we live in this atmosphere. And I hear it as at most fear. Yes. And that is kind of the... Uh, atmosphere, the energy that's being pumped into the um, collective participatory, whatever communication that goes on. It is a very negative kind of fear inducing stuff. So one of the words I, in speaking of stuff, and it also talks about this later in the essay, that we think we have to acquire stuff from the outside in order to create happiness. So we gather all these possessions. And of course, the ultimate possession is that by the devil, <laughs> however you want to conceive that force. And people, some people um, like Bernie Madoff or, or others, you know, who have can't seem to get enough money and need more money and more power and are insatiable in their hunger. And so it's you, you simply can't get satisfaction from anything that's outside yourself. So <clears throat> one of the things and anything we pursue, we're doing it for a feeling. We're looking to feel joy, happiness, gratitude, self-confidence, um, inspired, inspiring, so many beautiful qualities. And what I find is one of the sweetest feelings comes through being of service. And so um, I created uh, for myself the platinum rule, which is and not like you do uh, do unto others as you would have them do to you, but we do unto ourselves what it is 
we do to others. And that means that's why service is serve us. And our eyes point outward so I can see you and you can see me. And with in my belief, we are a collective organism. We require each other's vision to um, embody more fully and offer our gifts with greater confidence that they will be received instead of letting the, the background music go. You're not good enough. No one's going to want to hear this, blah, 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 blah. So, being seen by another person is something that allows us to step through into more presence in the world so we can give our gifts. So the pleasure, well, sometimes I I introduce this word by uh, talking about Sigmund Freud, who um, believed everything was around the pleasure principle, but he was looking at the lowest chakras, you know, um, as where you get pleasure, physical pleasure. And so what I find is the more we elevate our consciousness and our energy, the more refined our pleasures become. And I read a statement by Pierre um, Tiard de Chardin, a 20th century French Jesuit philosopher, author, paleontology. And in his book, Phenomenon of Man, I read that if there wasn't the impulse toward union between cells, that love wouldn't appear uh, in harmonized form between you and me. So, but so it is love that holds the whole thing together. And I call that glue close because it's very sweet and it's sweet to feel. And I, I can, I look at the fact that we call ourselves humankind, but don't really demonstrate it, but <laughs> that that is our essential evolutionary leap at this time from humankind to human kindness. And the wonderful thing about kindness is it's like heart candy. It's the honey of being. It's extremely sweet when I I feel it in my heart and in the back of my throat. So I I created a word for the pleasure engendered through loving kindness, even with perfect and imperfect strangers. I mean, what feels better than to be a mirror, acknowledging even just silently the greatness within others? Because whether you are someone in high office or someone digging ditches, in jail, there is the infinite in is in finite form without exception. And even if those octaves of being haven't been played as yet, uh, they are present. And when there's someone who can be present with the other and hold them in our mirroring embrace, That helps liberate people from the trance they've been under that made them feel less than who they truly are. So the word I created for the ultimate pleasure of being able to have like little parentheses here. There used to be a bunch of jokes going around when I, in my youth, um, and one was, um, what's a four letter word? for intercourse ending in K. So, of course, the the F word is what immediately comes to mind, but there's also the T word, there's talk. And the you can have, or I enjoy having intercourse with just about everybody I meet. And looking at the synchronicity, the co-inside dance that brought us together in the same moment, even if just for a glance, a quick exchange, the pleasure that comes from sending and receiving acknowledgement of being and of the greatness within you, wherever you are on your evolutionary path of ever greater self-expression, 
wherever you are, just to be able to beam a light of recognition and acknowledgement across a room uh, that is caught by someone's eyes and taken in as a bolt from the blue that goes right into the heart as a big valentine. The pleasure from that, for me, I invented the word metatranscensuous supersexual parahedonism. And, and then the tagline is accept nothing less. So, <laughs> Have you made a t-shirt yet? No, I haven't. Oh, I'm going to get on that for you. We'll work on something. Okay. okay God, I love that. Awesome. We, do you mind repeating it, of course, like a thousand more times? Because that was incredible. Yes. It's meta, trans, sensual. No, meta, trans, sensuous. Um, okay. Just now let me go back inside to find it. Oh, meta, transsensuous, suprasexual parahedonism. And it's the pleasure that comes from intercourse with perfect strangers. It's really from pleasure that comes through acts of loving kindness. So when this became so clear to me that kindness is the honeypot, uh, kindness toward others and toward oneself, that's where the sweetness for me comes in. And to do things that are healing and uplifting for other people are inescapably healing and uplifting for ourselves. Incredible. I have another t-shirt designed for you. Skanks for kindness. What do you think? Skanks. Um, I, I don't really resonate with the word skanks. I don't know your meaning for it, but to my ears, it's not a beautiful sound. It's meant to be more uh, visceral and sort of like, huh, but of kindness, you know? Well, if you put something ambiguous next to something, in my mind, kind of pearlescent mm -hmm. <laughs> or golden, it's a little odd. Do you think it taints it at all? Or does it complement it in a dissonance way? Well, not for me. Not for no, you? I, I suppose, no, because okay. I already have thoughts around skanks. Gotcha. And I've heard it used in an insulting way. Right. And yeah, What do you think so, about taking it back and empowering it with a pearlescent word next to it? And that actually is the real way that we alchemize these things. If it resonates with you and with the people you're in communication with, then it works. It Beautiful passes answer. the test. Yeah. Beautiful answer. We drive on a driveway and we park on a parkway. It's not how it works, though. What's up with that? Oh, all the scramble in English. Yes. Your, your, your nose runs and whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't played with that. But I think it is such a, a, a mishmashed language. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, not The spelling doesn't, and neither do so many of the phrases. And I haven't tried to trace them back. They haven't been as interesting to me. But yeah, lots of discordancies. Would you think that it's, and this is why, what I mean to say with the sorry word, that it's sort of like tucked in there with these sort of deliberate inversions of the actual meaning of these things and being presented with intent to the opposite of them. So do you think that this is deliberately done? Well, that's that's a question that usually comes up. And of course, I, I don't have the final answer on it, but my Speculate belief. Speculate wildly. Like we don't, we're not going to hold you to this. No nailing your colors to the mast here. You're welcome to free flow. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let me see how I want to do that. Um, I think a lot is, I guess the short answer is, I'm sure there was lots that was deliberate, but I think that probably even more just happens as mm. a result of, you know, like the game um, telephone. Yes. Yeah. Um, they get mangled over time. Um, there's a lot of deliberate redefining of words today to uh, an extreme uh, and, uh, in my mind, absurdity. Um, and that all is very confusing. So how many times might that have happened throughout history, trying to change minds 
to change the world by changing the word. So certainly deliberate action. And I think also some happens um, as words just migrate across cultures and centuries and um, you know, that they, they get and colored by other words and, and how they're pronounced and then and all of it. It's a constant change, whereas Sanskrit, I believe, is if not identical to, then very close to the language that was spoken thousands upon thousands of years ago. And I think it even means the sacred, um, the perfect language. <clears throat> and it all sorts of um, methodologies were put in place to keep it unaltered. So truth could travel down through the millennia and reach the present day without the distortion that happens through translation and interpretation and manipulation. Yeah, I completely agree. And I love that you pointed this out because there's this theory, there's this fun conspiracy theory. I don't know how far you get into them. Let me just say before I launch into this, and I'm not a fear-based conspiracy theorist at all. I'm a conspiracy analyst like Charlie Robinson and Macroaggressions calls them. I'll, I'll take a look at it, but I'm not going to embody it. I'm not going to let it... Uh, you know, ruin my buzz or anything. To that then, um, there is this idea, um, damn it, I just lost it. I just had this damn thing and lost it. <sighs> Bring me back. Where were we at? Um, <laughs> I know, right? Oh, was it purposeful? Was the mangling of the language purposeful? Yeah, but it was something, damn it. And then I mentioned Sanskrit and what was put yeah. in place to keep... Oh, to keep it yes. From thank drifting. you so much. Good God. Where would, where did I go there? Uh, it's been an interesting week. So thank you for your patience on that. Um, okay. So it's about this common language that was handed down so that it couldn't be messed with sort of like the Bible or anything else. Right. But there's this theory that goes, uh, uh, project Bluebeam. Have you ever heard of this? No, no. Oh my gosh. I love this thing so much. I'm going to send you a ridiculously long PDF that this guy named Sir Jamin ass made. And it's, it's incredibly interesting it's my favorite conspiracy theory probably because it's so elaborate it's so in-depth and one of those things is actually the catalyst for all of it becomes that they find some earthquakes around that could be manufactured allegedly some earthquakes discover uh, unearth some undiscovered archaeological remains from a uh, civilization long before anything ever known that predate everything and so they unaltered will have then revealed that actually all of the other religions were just a misapprehension. And really it circles back to one language, one God, one everything, and it's meant to unify everyone. But at the same time, this is where it gets really fun, they start projecting holograms of their respective deities, which I don't know how they would calculate this uh, because every, a lot of folks in different areas would want to see a different deity, right? There's Buddhists in America too. They wouldn't all want to see Jesus is what I'm saying. They project your deity above your country of origin allegedly and then they tell you actually no big deal we were one but now they all form together like a super friends in the sky come together as one then aliens come in it's all the same plan aliens come in and super jesus one world god battles them and kills them off and it's supposed to kick off the one world government but it all starts <laughs> from an alleged archaeological discovery um, of some new texts that would predate even Sumerian tablets that would say, actually, all of them, all of its make them ups after this, and this is the real thing, and for some reason, they would be taken seriously. What do you think of that idea? Well, I think it would make a fascinating movie. Right. Sure. But if I were the, the writer of the movie, I would want it to go a different way. I would want it to be... Here are these people who are wanting to play God and like Klaus Schwab said, be master of the world. I mean, Gross. well, and, and insane, of course. And it is, it's, it's the egoic mind in super inflation wanting to, to be God. And so all of these people with these God complexes who are, uh, creating such damage globally um, that there they are. And then these deities from whatever um, denomination someone resonates with comes down and picks them up like little rats. 
<laughs> carries them outside. No, I mean, it would be more humane than that. But a mass awakening instead of a mass enslavement would be my preferred punchline. Completely agree. And, you know, it's funny you said this, uh, this mass uh, awakening. Do you feel that something like this, that we're in the midst of it now? Well, I do. Um, I absolutely do. I, I, I believe that however dark it is, that much light is coming onto the planet. I feel like humanity 2.0 is coming onto the planet, these new beings being born. And you've probably seen that statement from, um, well, I'll get back to that in a moment. It's so amazing how that name sometimes escapes me. But in any case, um, the founder of the Waldorf schools, oh. Rudolf Steiner. Yes, 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 yeah, yes. Yeah. So saying that there will come a time when uh, doctors will be inoculating babies to so they can't connect with their soul. Uh, why the hell would you even say something like that? I, well, he predicted it um, like, what, 100 years ago? So do you think that's possible? Well, I think a lot of people are, are uh, believing that's what has been occurring, that um, it doesn't, taking this foreign substance into your body doesn't exactly raise your consciousness or your immunity. So in any case, I, I'm a, I'd like there to be a, a conspiracy of high intention mm. where we recognize, well, let me do my little, um, the first two paragraphs of my vision statement, which go, in all our efforts to heal our psyches and raise consciousness on the planet, we have all but overlooked the very instrument of conscious thought and communication. Yet our forked tongue, English language, which is the leading software of the Western mind, is itself in great need of retuning and upgrading. Over the course of my life, I have cultivated a heightened sensitivity to how the total normality of insanity in society is echoed, reflected, and reinforced by the English language, which inadvertently yet unavoidably propagates the manipulated, antiquated vision of reality promulgated by the ancient church as an instrument of mind control at a time when we had to surrender our minds if we wanted to keep our heads about us, quite literally. So if we elect collectively to upgrade the English language to a higher frequency through our linguistic creativity and naturally occurring verbal eccentricities, then ultimately even clatter from our idle chatter, prattle patter, blabber blather and palaver as we jabber gab in Babylon, will turn our glowing terms from verbal vapor, either hanging in the air or chopped on paper, into tiny bits of shiny matter as we gather, chat, and natter on, and with new skill at trilling, thrilling statements that instill fulfilling imagery of higher possibility, will finally still the quiet riot of the wild child's manic panic through the mind, so we can flip the switch, enlightening every circuit of our consciousness through the electric surge of verbiage that encourages superb and selfless services to spread from soul to soul around the globe by what is said in all the light years up ahead. And then from the islands of silence between all that's spoken, we will listen as doors to the heartland spring open. It was so great. Gosh. Thank you. So that's my conspiracy concept that we can conspire together to uh, open to the still small voice and ask for new words and metaphors and um, phrases and symbols and sounds to come to us. And 
my, I, I mentioned my most popular video is called Taking Command of the English, no, 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 The Secret Spells of the English Language. At the same time, I posted Taking Command of the English Language, and it describes how we can do that. And we don't know what the level of power of the effect of doing that. But when we have words that are reflecting people's beauty back to themselves, like I also enjoy finding obscure words. Um, I, I wrote a series of essays around them called Defining Moments, words that invoke a whole world in a few syllables, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. So... <laughs> One of those, uh, one of the essays is called um, A Walk in the Woods, and it starts out by saying, I am a nemophilist and a philocalist, and you likely are as well. A nemophilist is someone who appreciates the beauty and solitude of the forest. And a philocalist, I'll send you the essay, a philocalist is someone who appreciates the good, the beautiful, and the noble in general. And as I like to say, to me, noble clearly defines itself as no bull. You can't be noble if you're not in integrity with yourself and other people. If you're not using your words as swords in the sense that you're cutting away the illusion and speaking truth as you know it, which with the coming of AI is going to be quite an interesting process to discern. But the idea, and as I state in uh, taking command of the English language, the idea is that we can open and allow divine ideas to come to us. And when I'm, hopefully by the end of this year, I will have a place on my website, Word Magic Global, where people can send in their ideas. Um, and those that we love will go into a, a, a dictionary, a new dictionary of words for ascension. And um, those that are, belong on t-shirts. We can market those and uh, honor the prophet who brought it through and also profit the prophet. So that's a vision that I have had for quite a while. And the, the example I use in taking command of the English language is something like do random acts of kindness and acts of senseless beauty. And I read that that someone wrote that on a napkin in a coffee house in Sausalito, and it traveled the world and changed people's behavior everywhere. So imagine, I mean, people talk about wanting to make a difference. And most people omit that essential adjective, positive. I want to make a positive difference, not just a difference. So to be able to make a difference, a positive difference with our words and collectively doing it so that more and more our hearts are in accord, which is a wonderful musical note for uh, resonance. And I read the other day um, that the magnetic field around the heart is 5,000 times more powerful than the field that surrounds the brain. And that when we get into a state of coherence, um, then here's the quote from an article, uh, when other people and animals receive this energetic information, a phenomenon known as frequency locking occurs in which the cardiac energy of one person becomes synchronized with the brain activity of a nearby person. So the fact that earth and heart are the same word, just where you place the letter H says to me that we're not here to get ahead of everybody else in the human race. We're already too far ahead of ourselves, our technology outpacing our wisdom, our heart sense. And so human uh, going from humankind to human kindness has to be the next evolutionary leap or we will never make it. There are 
I mean, first of all, to share resources, but also to have the heart space to be able to entertain other people's ideas and to, you know, for there to be willingness to discuss it because there's such intentional um, breaking of the social bond as uh, Greg Braden described it. And so we we are under the thumb of a very few people because we are like uh, crabs in a barrel, I think is the metaphor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Each one trying to pull the other one down. And so we can't collectively move forward. But I love envisioning what could happen if people were enlisted to participate in a linguistic revoltage in which we elevate the amperage on the English language so it lights up our heart when we speak it and illuminates the hearts of others with whom we speak. That's what it feels like right now. Uh, uh, beautiful, beautiful what you said. It, uh, I had a guest on recently, a guy named Brandon Williams, and he says what's what he feels is occurring now is 1776 without the bodies, meaning that we're not going to need, this is a mental revolution, and that this is a scale up without the need for all the anarchy and chaos and all of that kind of stuff, because there, it, it looks like it's taking on a mature, more mature face is, yes. is what we're excited about. And the energy is very different. It's powerful. And it seems to be patient in a way that it doesn't, it knows it doesn't need to hurry. It's an inevitability. And so there's a lot of comfort in that. And I feel that, like you said, there's tons of light raining down here. And that's why it's shining so much light on all the dark, which is why the dark's so loud. Yeah, isn't that lovely? I think we're getting a lot of blessings, a lot of support. And one of the things I like to point out is that all of us, I was in a a garden in in the forest in Washington state. And I was thinking, wow, what a genius plant. And then I had the epiphany. Oh, for heaven's sakes, all plants are genius. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a one that isn't. And the same with animals. It's just, and, and sometimes when I look at the beautiful design of a tiny weed flower, I, I, easily it can step on or step over or or of a tiny little snail shell and i think about the artistry the infinite intelligence invested in that exquisite design and i think wow if that much love and and creativity was invested in this quote negligible little being plant or animal how much more has been invested in me and i i have several wonderful quotes about genius and one of the greatest geniuses of the 20th century buckminster fuller um, said that having a ge- being genius is simply having a good mother um Not all of us are so blessed, but someone who sees us and supports us, mother or father. And uh, another one I I quote sometimes uh, by Charles Bukowski, the alcoholic, depressive, brilliant 20th century German-American poet. He said, um, most all of us are born geniuses and buried idiots. And we get so hypnotized by the programming here that we forget who we are and why we're here so easily. And whereas I've shared that life sentence, we awake each morning and go off to earn our living. um, The life sentence perpetrated on children starts much earlier, like, oops, time to change the baby. Will you change the baby or shall I change the baby rather than the diaper? Yeah. The baby yeah. doesn't need to be changed. Right. And, and there's so many words related to, to childhood and you go to school to learn lessons. Well, lesson is something that diminishes you. It doesn't strengthen you. It lessens you. And you're taught in school. And taught is another word for tense. which is a cause of um, nearsightedness. And lots of children, why would they want to become a grown-up, which (laughs) sounds so miserable? (laughs) Or the alternative is to become adult, which is an idiot. 
a d o l t. Yeah, adult. Idiot. Adult. Yeah. Yeah, just an idiot. Man. And and, uh, and go ahead, please. Well, and and just to finish, we're Man. all born geniuses, and if you look at the word, it's genie us. We each have. Um, we draw from the collective the most what comes through us that is most divine doesn't come through the mind the conditioned mind it comes when the mind is relaxed and out of the way and then the brilliance flows and just the last little piece i was going to do on the children's life sentence is that then uh, there's the period called adolescence where if you thought you'd lost your way before, now you really have been addled your essence. And so, I mean, to escape, to move through that gauntlet with all of the conditioning um, is, is a challenge. And I think now more people are awakening more quickly and there are more technologies to assist us from uh, getting free from the traumas and at becoming supernatural as Joe Dispenza yeah. facilitates. I'm reading his, um, uh, I'm having just brain fart central today. It's uh, losing the habit of becoming yourself or something. Yeah, Break, breaking, breaking the, the habit. habit. Of be- yeah, yes, good yeah, God. Yeah. Uh, and it's um, it's a fascinating read. My wife read it and she was like, you've got to read this. And I've been a fan of Joe Dispenza. She's read other books of his as well. And so she turned me loose on this one. I just read a book called uh, Disobliging Reality. Have you ever heard of that? No. By Dr. Frank Jezuzak. It's like 95 pages, but there is no fluff in this thing. Uh, and it's called it, Disallowing Reality? Disobliging. Disobliging Reality. Yeah. That's very nice. In fact, I'll link it. My friend Asher, uh, who's a pen pal of mine, he told me about it. And he took a picture of the book and sent it to me. Anything Asher is like, hey, you should check this out. I get it immediately. And I'm so glad I did. So everybody, Disobliging Reality will be located down in the show notes. Make sure you'll check that out. It's an $11 book, 95 page read, but man, it's 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 amazing. So, um, and honestly, not sure why I tore off on that. But uh, yes, Joe Dispenza um, being in this place with the, the understandings that he has with the physiology and then how to relate it and then put it out into action. That's been one of the biggest healers here is able to see because there are things in your life like I'm obsessed with the reticular activating system. Are you familiar with this ner- bundle of nerves and the f- they, four functions? The one that I focus on is the perspective, as- the perspective aspect of it, your perception. And the medical definition of this, a little clinical term for this, is that it funnels out useless information as to highlight and present useful information. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. How subjective as hell is that? Yeah, exactly. Because what's useful and useless is based on your paradigm, your beliefs and experiences, right? right? right. So there may be UFOs flying all around us all the time, but it's useless information, just like the tip of our nose. Your RAS blends out the tip of your nose because it's not useful to you. Yeah, you can see it all the time, but it's not, not useful. Then you could think of this with uh, opportunities, with anything else. And this is sort of a stair step into the, again, Dispenza's work with the physiology and then how you see the clear cut definitions of it and then how to implement it. You're like, well, then I need to redefine what's useful, right? So that that RES can catch up with what I'm really looking for here. And that may be why a lot of folks will find themselves going out to, you know, again, spin their wheels on something, but maybe it's right there. They just need some semantics to rephrase, to reframe, because that's this power in the language. Yeah, that's a very good point. And when you're not calling something by its rightful name, it becomes very confusing. It does. It's and incredible. So, yeah, truly. Well, your rightful name, Laurel Erica, uh, everything about you is fascinating. Uh, we have got to do this again. We're going to wrap it on this one, but I cannot wait to do a thousand more of these with you. We have so many more things to talk about. All the ways, of course, to find you as well as Disobliging Reality, Jason Pickard, and your uh, YouTube video, The Secret Spells of the English Language. Is that right? Yes. Located um, down below. Right. Jason Pickard mm-hmm. is a very dear friend. So, um, I love that J- man. Yeah, I do too. I think it's jasonpickard.org. And his Instagram is at uh, jasonpickardofficial. Absolutely. So my, my website is wordmagicglobal.com. Dot com. If someone scrolls down and wants support at becoming the genius writer they innately are, even if you haven't yet written a word, 
Um, we have sacred rights creative circles that I lead every month. Um, not sure what I'm doing in July because for that month, because the first week I will be at a Joe Dispenza retreat. I'm awesome. Thrilled to say. So, um, so that's it for the moment. The Patreon is patreon.com word magic global and then also YouTube. And I have a couple of books. I have, you get a free ebook for uh, subscribing at my website. It's called the book of E, a book of alphabet alchemy. And then I have uh, a book of verse and a book called horsing around the inside word on marriage and horses. I love that. Horsing around the inside word on marriage and horses. Yeah. So this is that oh, book. Wow. It's a beautiful <laughs> picture book. And <laughs> the cover for the audio only audience is two horses <laughs> standing there dressed up to get married. One in a bridal outfit and the other in a tux. That's wonderful. It's got some amazing photographs in it. Um, I only have a few left. So they're now... Um, collector's items. And so they're kind of expensive for some. Um, and then my book of verse, word magic, wordplay that puts a new spin on the world. This is just a small fraction of what I've created. I just need to sit down and uh, edit and publish uh, an enormous trough and trove of other word magic pieces. So people's contribution to Patreon make that more doable for me. You're a treasure to this place. You know that, right? Thank you. I appreciate it. I think you are too. I believe every single one of us is. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.